Welcome back to the By the Numbers podcast, the official podcast of the Villanova Sports Analytics Club. Uh, my name is Noah. I'm the host today. And I'm joined by by two returning guests today, uh, uh, Charlie Schmatz. Charlie, welcome back. How are you doing? Doing good. A lot to talk about. Um, crazy weekend, especially in the NFL. And uh, going to be maybe an even crazier one next weekend. We'll see. But uh, can't wait to jump into it. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Excited to have you on the pod. And, uh, coming back for... Uh, it's, it's been a, a, a couple of episodes, but uh, Will Bettner, Will, uh, welcome back. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back, Noah. Really excited to be back, um, be back on the pod. Uh, I'm doing great. Things been things been busy um, with basketball, but finally home, stationed back at the home base, ready to, ready to chop it up. Um, definitely echo Charlie's point. NFL was crazy this weekend. Um, a lot of wild games. Um, also just want to like send my prayers up to, uh, DeMar Hamlin as he continues to recover from that injury. I've been on since that tragic injury in, in the NFL, but, um, a lot of NBA college basketball, uh, Australian open too to talk about, uh, at the end here. So excited to get into it. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, well, you just touched on it, but, um, we're going to start talking a little bit about Villanova basketball. We'll throw it over to Will, who hasn't been on in a bit to talk a little about that because Charlie and I did, uh, talk quite a bit about the team more, more recently, and then we'll spend a bulk of the time really diving into the the games from this previous week in the NFL, which ended up being much more entertaining um, than I think we all initially potentially thought. Um, without further ado, we'll move into Villanova basketball. Um, really only one game since the last podcast. It was a nail-biter against Georgetown. Um, we were down six at a point in the, in the second half. Um, and, you know, it kind of eked out the game at the end, some, some questionable plays, but then, you know, Brandon Slater losing the ball in that one session and, and then, you know, getting a steal on the other end. And we were able to kind of win a a hard-fought battle against Georgetown, which is not something, you know, I think a lot of Villanova fans wanted to be kind of thing at this point in the season. But, um, you know, I think it's, you know, maybe par for the course of some of the challenges we've seen earlier in the season. But I don't want to talk too much because, you know, I've talked about the team a lot um, recently. But, uh, Will, I, I, you talked about it a little bit. Also, I don't think uh, – the, the listeners might not know this, but you, you do work for the Philly basketball team as a manager for the team. I do. Um, I do. Um, for those who don't know, I am I am one of the managers for the team and um, limits to what I can say, but I, I can definitely touch on um, certain things. So um, I would say, you know, that game against Georgetown, if if we're discussing that, that was that was definitely one that um, was a really hard fought game by our guys. I mean, I think that um from start to finish, we know every game's going to be a battle at this point in the year. Uh, Big East play, every team is, you know, I, I believe the, personally, I think the Big East Conference is one of the best conference, if not the best conference in, in college basketball. I definitely think it's the most competitive up and down. Every game is usually always close. You never really see a blowout uh, 20 or 30 in, in Big East basketball. Um, even from, like, if one of the worst teams is playing the top team, like, everybody – this is one thing that I always believe and is always said is like Villanova's always been so good for so long that every team is going to bring their championship level game against Villanova and Georgetown. I got a hat off to um, Spears. He played a heck of a game. Um, I, I got to say his pull-up game might be the best in the country. Um, that guy he was cooking us. Oh my he, gosh. He was, um, he really knows how to play. And, and I, I got to say, um, I'll hand it to E where if he's listening, he, what a stop at the end there at the end of the game. That was a great block. Um, way to be in position, uh, slide his feet, make a play. But I think that that was just an overall team win. Um, everybody came together to do what they had to do to play 40 minutes of Illinois basketball. And 
we're able to come out with a win. And um, I think, you know, maybe just once we get one or two under our belt, um, it starts to get rolling and um, it'll be fun for the students to be back at the Wells Fargo Center next week. I think that'll be an exciting atmosphere against Providence. Um, But I think if you get, you know, two or three rolling in the right direction, you never know with when a team could get hot in February. I mean, we've seen it so many times in right around this time of year. You know, I think this is when just to switch gears for a little bit, like so many listeners out there make March Madness brackets. I think if you're looking at teams to pick in your bracket who might who, you know, are probably going to make the tournament. Look at how they're playing right now, because this kind of dictates how they roll into February and then eventually March, um, how their team kind of comes off the holidays. So I think that this is a big time for our team specifically, but definitely teams throughout college basketball. So I'm excited to see how the end of the year works out. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a, I appreciate you having a, a different perspective than us for sure and having a, like an inside look at the team. Um, and yeah, I totally agree. It's kind of a, an interesting season and, and it will definitely be, it will be, you know, exciting to see if this team can kind of get rolling in the right direction after this this hard fought win, which um, we hopefully will push us in the right direction. Uh, Charlie, I'll throw it to you really quickly. I, I don't know if you were potentially at this game or watching this game. If you had any kind of a, immediate thoughts, on we talk about Villanova basketball a lot, but I don't know if did you, were you able to watch kind of the full game? I I was watching. I didn't think it'd be as close as it was, but what do you think? Uh, yeah, so I wasn't able to watch the full game. Um, I did see the end, and I also um, had to make a trip over to the uh, to the bookstore to pick up books, and they had it on in there. So I uh, I was watching for a couple minutes, but um, but yeah, just the end of that game, I, like you were saying with Sears, I mean, he is he's a great player. Um, I think Georgetown that that um, that Big East losing streak that they have going, like. I, this is a good team, and I think it really shows with them how solid the Big East is year in and year out. Um, and, I, I mean, I'm just glad we were able to to, uh, to pull that one out because um, there were times where I was worried, but um, but I think just the experience of our guys at the end of that game um, allowed us to uh, to win that game. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and, yeah, a hard-fought team performance, and that's the thing we can say um, for now. Uh, and what the – We'll be keeping an eye on the team and, and be sure to come back um, next week in, in further episodes and, and talk more about how the team's doing uh, and what we're thinking about as we kind of move closer to the Big East tournament and potentially uh, postseason play. Uh, moving now to the the NFL, uh, you know, very much a lot lot busier than than Villanova basketball recently. Big big wild card weekend. Um, we had uh, so some upsets this weekend. We had the third biggest comeback in playoff history happen. Um, we had the greatest all-time quarterback getting knocked out in the first round. Um, it, you know, a lot going on, and I don't think, you know, there could have been even more. I think the Ravens very easily could have beaten the Bengals had, you know, one play not gone the same direction. Uh, and I, I do want to talk about a lot of these games. And I think, I, for me, when I was thinking about kind of this past weekend, I thought Chargers-Jags was the first place we had to start just because of the um, absolute calamity that is that happened in this game for the the, the Los Angeles Chargers because um, you know up twenty seven to zero at halftime forcing you know four interceptions from a quarterback in the first half uh, Trevor Lawrence I mean you know one of the all time kind of comeback in just in terms of a game of a quarterback performance being able to turn that around uh, I I mean 
there's just a lot going on in this game. I don't I mean it's it's hard to I mean the Chargers Chargers curse is kind of like a, a you know one thing you say oh, you know, how do we feel about Brandon Staley now? Um I I don't know. Uh Will I'll, I'll throw it to you first. What were what were your reactions to this game? I was watching a lot of this game, turned it off and then had to turn it back on at the end. But um what what did you think about this for you know either one of these? Yeah, so I actually had it on the background, um kind of watching here and there, but I mean I had the whole game on and I was first thing I'll touch on that Brandon Staley comment. Um I'm a big believer in Brandon Staley. I think he's a great coach. I want to put it out there for all the listeners out there, wherever you wherever you guys are listening from. If there's any people actually listening all the way from LA, um, I do respect your coach a lot. I think that Brandon Staley uh, has a great offensive mind. I think if I had to put a resemblance in there, I think that he's a Sean McVay when the Rams were moving from St. Louis to LA. Um, and Sean McVay gets hired and the Rams go – what they have, I think, like a ten and seven season, a nine and eight, a nine and nine, and then they trade Jared. They pick up Jared Goff. They go to the Super Bowl. They trade for Matthew Stafford. It's like they were finally kind of hitting their peak. I feel like that the Chargers have been that team. They got Brandon Staley. They were grinding wins out. They finished a couple seasons nine and seven. This year they finished ten and seven. They have their guys. They have their guy in Justin Herbert. Keenan Allen hurt for most of the year. Um, Mike Williams, you know, he goes out with some injuries and then they start to get everybody back at the end of the year. And I think it was just too late and it showed to that collapse. But to be honest, I mean, I believe in the chargers. I really think that with those cornerstone pieces that they have, I think that Brandon Staley is the right guy for this team, the way that they play. Um, I think when it came down to it for 60 minutes, they weren't able to play all 60. They played 32 or whatever it was, and up twenty-seven to nothing, you couldn't get it done. But um, to transition into that, se- into the flip side of it, I got to hand it to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, man, did they play a heck of a second half? Defense, special teams, offense, everybody put it together, came together to play a heck of a sixty minutes or thirty minutes, really, because um, they really got um, got handed to them in the first half. But for for Trevor Lawrence to come back, I mean. I don't know you guys how much NFL you guys watch, but like I'm looking at this game and I'm saying to go for a 30 per his rating was about 30.3 in the first half to to climb out of that hole as an NFL quarterback, the how fast the game is played. Like that is incredible. Like we're talking like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees type performance from him in the second half, four touchdowns come back on a great team against the chargers like that. I mean, that's a heck of a win. They're, I, I also got to hand it to a guy that I don't think gets enough credit for this Jaguar season. I think T-Law and that defense gets a lot of credit. But Doug Peterson, to come be out of the league and come into this job, I, I got to – I mean, I really give him a lot of credit. I think that people wrote him off after the Eagles were just god-awful right as he was leaving on his way out and – needed a year out of the league. And now he's really found a home in Jacksonville where I think he has a great rapport with Trevor Lawrence, somebody who I actually think plays a lot like Carson Wentz did when he was starting out in Philly. So I'm really excited. I think that this might, we get in, maybe get into this later, but I got to say, if I had to pick a game that goes down to the wire and, and somebody makes a gutsy call to, uh, to, to knock off Kansas City, I think it'd be Doug Peterson and 
Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk in there um, as a play. So my my upset pick, I'll leak it early, is um, Jaguars over the Chiefs, 31-28 in Arrowhead. That was a flaming hot dog, but I love it. Uh, I, I, the Jags have been awesome. Um, well, the, not for the first half, but the second half. I mean, I, it, it's hard to um, – I think the it, it's hard for me to not just like – like think of how the Chargers could have just not choked this away. Like, I mean, I look at the rushing stats in this game. You know, not being able to get any rush game going in the second half, not being able to run more time off the clock. The defense giving up four t- consecutive touchdown drives. Uh, I mean, I guess you give props to the Jags um, for that, but uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough game from that perspective. Um, I, I don't know, Charlie. What what were you thinking? You know, observations just for e- either of these teams during that game. Yeah, um, I think Will covered most of it. Uh, craziest game I've seen in a while. Um, just to come back down 27 nothing, you do not see that often these days. Um, and I think maybe one of the most resilient quarterback performances from Trevor Lawrence in that game, um, when he threw that fourth pick, I was thinking you got to throw in the backup at this point. Um, but just Doug Peterson, he's got trust in his guys. For him to keep him out there and know that he had the uh, the willpower to come back, uh, just just awesome. Like you love to see stuff like that. Um, right when when the Jags scored, right before halftime, I, I had originally when they were down twenty seven nothing, I was like, there's there's no chance, right? But when they scored that touchdown right before halftime, I, I was like, okay, th- there's at least a shot now. And if you looked at that game from the bigger picture. The Chargers didn't have all that much offense going on in that game in the first half. I mean, it was just all because of those turnovers. And I think if, like, if you look at it, if Trevor Lawrence figured figures it out, you're right back in this game, and that's exactly what he did. Um, negative three second half rushing yards from the Chargers. I'm pretty sure that I don't even know what to say about that, especially when you when you have a guy like Austin Eckler in the backfield. Um, and I do think that that Justin Herbert is too good of a quarterback to be put in these situations. Um, I, I think he's he's so much better than than what the uh, the images that that people are seeing of him. Um, we saw Joe Lombardi getting fired today, so they're they're looking ahead in a different direction there. And um, and just Brandon Staley, great mind. I've I've always thought that, but not having Mike Williams in that game because of the week prior I, that that's a killer that that's a killer you need a guy out there like that um because when you look at who the jags had you've got christian kirk who is uh, not enough credit is given to that dude he is such a great receiver i, I think we saw we're, we're seeing the best of christian kirk right now he's definitely not a guy on, on the the uh, Cardinals last year, I, I don't think a lot of people were looking at him. Awesome now. Evan Ingram, too. I, I mean, this guy, uh, a lot of people were looking at him on the Giants like he should not be in the league right now. And now he is one of the top tight ends in the league. Um, and even Zay Jones, the, these receivers are really solid. They're really underrated. And it, it's going to be really tough to beat the Chiefs. But this team, they're in a great position right now. They saw pretty much how crazy postseason football can get and um i think it's going to be a uh, a pretty close game next week really excited i just i just want to touch on charlie's point to come back to this game real quick the reason why i said that upset pick is actually just throwing little numbers out there for our listeners 
the Chiefs secondary ranks 28th in passing plays over 30 yards. The Jacksonville Jaguars rank fourth in the entire league, including the regular season, in efficiency and rate of throwing passes worth 30 yards or more. So I got to say, with a guy like that Charlie just touched down, like Christian Kirk, who's having a breakout year, like it only takes one or two. And there you go. There's two touchdowns right there. I mean, if there's a breakdown in the secondary with the Chiefs being that bad in the back end of their defense, I think it really I, I, I mean, I would have I would have a hard time leaving that game because you never know what could happen. I mean, with with anything that goes on, I think the crowd will be a factor in Arrowhead. But I, I think that the Jaguars are being counted out way too early. And I think they can go in there and maybe steal a W. And yeah, just just to touch on that, sorry about that. Just to touch on that really quickly. The crowd, we know that that's going to be a factor. But when Trevor Lawrence, when he just what we just saw from him, he's capable of doing ultimately anything right now. I think because that was he third largest comeback in NFL postseason history. Like the crowd, it's going to be loud, but I think he he he's up for it. They're going to be flying high. Well, he can I. I... I don't think that the Chiefs are going to be able – like, if Trevor Lawrence throws two interceptions, I think that game, I don't think they can win the game. I, I I don't think you can give be given the Chiefs extra possessions just because of how good they've been this year, and I think their defense is, is turning up a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I'm as optimistic about the Jaguars. Uh, I think I'm, I'm more critical of the Chargers in terms of just that game, but um, I it, it should be a fun game to watch, and that eight-and-a-half point line that I see uh, might be a little high for sure. Um, the next game I want to pivot to a little bit is the Bills-Dolphins game. Um, this was a really close game. Bills ended up winning 34-31. Uh, I don't really think it's worth talking about the Dolphins too much because of Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson went like, you know, had a had a pretty pretty abysmal stat line in this game. Uh, you know, pretty inefficient. 18 for 45, uh, and they were in this game. I think there it was just you know a lot of you know two interceptions from Josh Allen and a fumble loss too. I think um, so. You know, a lot of mistakes from the Bills end. And I, I think where we should, you know, take this discussion is, like, are we worried about the Bills at all? Like, I I, I mean, you know, uh, Charlie, I'll, I'll give this question to you first. You know, Bills, Chiefs, you know, where – I think those are the two – I mean, I guess you have, you have the Bengals too. I mean, that, that game's going to be tough. But where, where do we sit with the Bills? They've been playing kind of inconsistent. A, a lot of the year, Josh Allen hasn't been playing, you know, his best season of all time. He's still got – you know, crazy arm talent that can make these plays, you know, about whenever. Um, but still some mistakes there. So, uh, I, I don't know. how Charlie, how are you feeling about the Bills going into the game next week against the Bengals? Yeah, no, definitely a little more nervous than I was last week because I kind of just assumed that they were going to beat the Dolphins. But aside from that 27-point comeback in the Jacksonville game, this was the most shocking game of the weekend because I was I, I was not able to watch this game because I was in the car. Um driving back to Nova, but um, I was able to listen to it. And I, I just, I was waiting for the bills to just pull away in this game. I, I was, was predicting a 20 point win. And, and that's not even like, I was predicting a 20 plus point win in this game. Um, But it, just Josh Allen, those turn, turn, those turnovers were, uh, were killer. Um, And then like you said, with Skylar Thompson, he, there was nothing going on there. 3.3 yards per play for the Dolphins and the fact that the Bills only win that game by three. I think that's like, it's just not something that you can predict. Like it, it, it was a crazy outcome. Um, and just 
like I said, a, a little bit more nervous for the Bills. I know that they have a great coach. They have a great team. They're all set on paper. Um, but as you get into the later rounds of the postseason, there's more that's expected. And I'm definitely not as as I was, but I'm not going to completely write them off because I know that Josh Allen is going to look at that performance from last week and he's going to be like, got a ball out this week. Um, because despite all of those turnovers from him, 350 passing yards, three touchdowns, I believe. Um, that's something that you want to see uh, from him like every week, pretty much. Um, and, and just to play in this neutral site game against the Bengals, which they were both teams were prepared for two weeks ago. Um, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think just to jump ahead a little bit early, a little bit early here, um, Bengals, I think they're in a similar situation too. We did not see the best of the Bengals this week. Um, I think both teams are in similar positions, but uh, I, I think we're in for a pretty tight game next week. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's actually a, a good call to kind of bring this, you know, th- that Bengals game in too, because I mean, you think about that game, you know, playing it's a back of quarterback, similar to the the Dolphins situation, you think I, – I, I am of the opinion – I think the Ravens' defense is really good um, and the ability of the Bengals were able to eke that out. You know, I, I don't know. It, that game, I I think I saw the Bills are favored by five in that game, and I think it's closer than that. I I just – I find it hard to bet against the Bengals. I, I don't know, Will. What, what, that's probably my upset pick, but Will, what are you thinking about, you know, the Bills and the Bengals – uh, going into the game next week, which I think is going to be must-see football. I uh, Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I mean, just to give my quick synopsis on the last couple games of the wild card and move into the next round, I'd say Dolphins-Bills, not much to talk about there. Really disappointing performance from the Bills, to be honest. I think got to give your hat off to the Finns. Defense, you know, they they took it. They tried to take – they definitely took advantage of the Bills' mistakes. Um, I think that that – the Giants Vikings game and the Bengals Ravens game were the most interesting. Like they weren't, you know, as interesting as the Chargers, obviously, and the Jaguars, but um, and the Bills and the Dolphins. But they were definitely interesting in terms of a couple of plays in those games. First of all, that the Giants, I gotta say, I, I mean, they look like a complete team. I, I I said this about a month and a half ago, Noah. If you remember, we had Kevin on here, me and Kevin and you. And I, I, I just – I can't see. I don't believe in the Giants. I just – I can't see it. I mean, I think the Vikings – when you have a quarterback like Kirk Cousins who's just – he's not it for your team. Like, you're going to sell something short. And I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I think the Giants are one of those teams that ekes into the playoffs and is a quarterback away from being a really, really great team. I think Brian Dable's got him going in the right direction. But – for all those Giants listeners out there, I know we got a lot of them. I know I think your team's a little bit on the ropes. I think you guys have had a great season, but it probably ends this week uh, against Philly. And then just that last touch on what you guys were just talking about, about Bengals, Ravens, and Cowboys, Bucks. Um, I think that the Bengals definitely are hungry. I think they've, they've got something to prove. You know, they, they beat the Ravens, but they beat Tyler Hundley and the Ravens, and I think the Ravens' defense is great, like Noah touched on. But that play, I got to say, by Sam Hubbard at the end of that game was – I mean, it obviously it, won the, it sold the game, but that was that was incredible. Um, I think that Joe Burr has a little bit of an edge to him. You know, he's coming up in the Cartier glasses. Like, he's walking in like, yo, this is my time to shine right here. And um, I think 
to be honest. I I think it's must see football, and I think the Bills are going to eke it out with a, with a field goal at the last second, and Jim Nance is going to lose it. But um, I think that that it's going to be down to the wire, possibly going to overtime. Um, so it's going to be a heck of a game. Cowboys Bucks. It's my this is my last little touch up here. I got to say, I, I never believe in the Bucks all year. And, and just, I mean, your record is what your record is. And they they weren't it. And the NFC South really showed how weak it was all year. And the Cowboys played well. They played great football. Um, but I think the Bucks made a lot of mistakes. Brady threw, threw a pick there. And um, I think that when it comes right down to it, you've got next week, which is what I know you guys want to jump into. But I think that the Bills, the Bills Bengals is going to be something, and then Chiefs Jags. But on the flip side, Philly and New York, and then um, the Cowboys and the Niners. That Cowboys Niners game, I think, is going to be really low scoring. I think it's going to be a close game. I think if Brock Purdy is able to win that game, people are talking like, "Yo." There's a there's a conversation that not a lot of people are talking about, and I think it's if Brock Purdy was able to win this game and go to the NFC Championship as a third string quarterback, they're talking about, hey, what do we do with Trey Lance? Like, we can't. What do we do with Jimmy G? Like, I I mean, there's a those are two starting quarterbacks right there, and and you're like, hey man, you got three quarterbacks sitting in a room. One just took us to the NFC Championship. Maybe they go to the Super Bowl. Like, if you're Kyle Shanahan. And you're um, whatever the guy's name is um, for the for the Niners. I mean, like if you're sitting there, you're, you're in a room, you're like, I, I can't give the keys away from this kid. Like Mr. Irrelevant to chip on my shoulder, dog mentality. It leads us to, you know, NFC Championship or Super Bowl. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I, what do you guys think there? I, that's the real question that I've heard coming into this next week. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's tough. And I, I was I was talking about this with my dad, like about the trailing situation. Uh, and I I think there are some different, pers- like more nuanced perspectives in terms of like Brock Purdy's not like putting these balls like right on the like he he's throwing some of these passes like it, it's I don't think it's you know he's not the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Um, but I will say like. Trey Lance has played enough games with the Niners to like not have looked this. And I guess, I mean, you know, they have McCaffrey now, so this offense is like you know, crazy juiced. Like, I mean, Debo Samuel and McCaffrey can basically just like swap positions at any point in time and are just and, and then people sleep on George Kittle. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I feel like he's had a, a big season after kind of being a little bit quiet or he might have been injured even last year, but he's been playing I mean he's getting a lot more targets this year. Um I, I think. But yeah, I, I will be. I mean, that's uh, might be a next week conversation. We'll have to see. I think that Niners Cowboys game is going to be a you know a really tight game because the Cowboys are really solid against the Bucks. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that was just the end of the line for the Bucks. They they were kind of looked slow all year, and I think that game really got overhyped in, in favor of Tom Brady. Uh, but Cowboys came out, offense played well, defense played well. I'm able to, to get that game. Uh, and and I want to touch on the Giants real quick, and then Charlie, I'll hand it to you to kind of close out your your kind of thoughts on these games. But uh, I I don't know. I think I think Daniel Jones is going to get extended this offseason. Um, I think Brian Daywell is is getting more out of him. I don't know if he's kind of a super like he's not. It's hard to know where he like sits in terms of the hierarchy of 
of quarterbacks in the league. That might be a conversation for a different day just in terms of what are you going to be able to get when you have Daniel Jones at the helm? I think one interesting, interesting thing that uh, you know I've heard talked about by other analysts and I, I think is important to bring up here is, is last year Daniel Jones had 298 rushing yards. This year he has 708 rushing yards. So they're really taking advantage of his athleticism and ability to run the ball. He's had a lot more kind of design runs this year. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Brian Dable has been able to, to maximize the talent of his team, even if there's not a ton there. I mean, you look at the, the, the wide receivers they're starting to, Richie James, Monte Robinson, like uh, it's it's a very limited roster. And Brian Dable is really maximizing the talent here and able to beat the Vikings who are, you know, were not, you know, kind of seemed fraudulent all year and, and kind of came through. Be excited to talk to Andrew about that. The other uh, podcast that's a big Vikings fan. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I, you know, like the Giants against the Eagles, but I think, you know, they're not going to beat themselves potentially just because they've got that coaching edge. And, you know, Jalen Hurts is coming back off injury. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I think anything could happen. Um, and if you get enough, you know, if you, now, I, I don't really see a scenario in which the, the Eagles is that game, but I think the Giants are really well coached and Jalen Hurts is coming back with an injury. So there's an, there's an optimistic viewpoint there, I think. Um, but, you know, Charlie, I'll, I'll pass it to you. I, I was talking a lot a little bit, a lot about the Niners, Cowboys, uh, and Giants, the last kind of three teams here. Um, what what are your thoughts on these? They're only We saw three of them play um, this past weekend. Niners weren't really that close. But, but what, what are you thinking about these three teams um, as they move into the next round of the playoffs? Yeah, I'll start with the uh, the New York Giants, man. I, I personally am not shocked by the outcome of that game. Uh, you mentioned it. The Vikings, one of the more fraudulent 13-win teams that we've seen. Uh, I mean, I don't think there was ever really, like, a hope that th- this team was going to go places in the playoffs this year. And just the fact that they had 13 wins is beyond me. Um, Daniel Jones not enough credit can be given to him. I know Will was saying that he's he's still a little shaky in his mind, but um, I think he's a top 10 quarterback. I, just no, just completely flawless in that game. And keep in mind, he's doing it with Isaiah Hodgins as his top receiver. I, I think that this is the, this is 100% the best of Daniel Jones that we've seen. Um, and going into next week, this, it, if I'm going to, call anything an upset this would be the game that I see being an upset like if this Giants team can put pressure on the Eagles if they're able to put pressure on the Eagles which they were not able to do against the Vikings zero sacks they can win this game I think that this offense is clicking right now Saquon is he is playing like a dog they cut the camera on the sideline in that game to him and he was just going crazy you could tell that he wants it so bad they got a coach who has been here. He's been here before as an offensive coordinator, um, but just a great coach. They're, they're built for this. And we've seen this where wild card teams play that one seed who, who they, they, they're faltering because of having that time off and to have a team coming in with this momentum off a win off their first playoff win in a while. I, I, I could see it. I could a hundred percent see it. Um, I think the Eagles' rhythm was a little bit broken. I think that Jalen Hurts is definitely not 100% back. Um, and we all know how hard it is to beat a team three times in one season. So this would be my upset pick um, for next week. As for that Bengals and Ravens game, I think what we saw in this game was was pretty simple. And 
that's number one. If Lamar Jackson plays, the Ravens win this game. I, like I, I really don't care about the Bengals like on paper and stuff. Just the way that they play in that game. If Lamar plays, he wins because that that defense is is way too good to be having the offense that we saw in that game. And then number two, you just gotta feed J.K. Dobbins the ball when your quarterback is when your starting quarterback is out. You kind of rely on your top back to be getting fed the ball. And for him to just have one more carry than Gus Edwards in that game is completely beyond me. This is a guy, after the game, he tweeted out, pretty much he needs to be fed the ball. And we saw that. Tyler Huntley on the goal line, like we said with Sam Hubbard, great play, but never should he have been in that position. You just got to see, you got to see J.K. Dobbins there. Like, he did try to pull what, what we saw Trevor Lawrence pull, which was pretty crazy um, with that QB sneak. But but um, I think that's what it comes down to is we needed to see more of J.K. Dobbins because that defense, really solid. And, and John Harbaugh, he's a great coach. He was a guy – I looked at this game, I was like, he could pull it off. Like I looked at that spread, eight and a half, I believe it was. Um, I, I – I predicted them to cover that game just because of John Harbaugh and because of how much football he's seen, how much of the Bengals he's seen. Um, I think they played a a pretty good game. Um, But just what it came down to was uh, Dobbins and Huntley. And then just that last game, Cowboys-Bucks, I was completely wrong about this game. I had the Bucks, um, the Cowboys on grass narrative, the Cowboys unlucky blue road uniforms narrative – just completely meaningless in the end. And it starts with the performance of Dak. I mean, that was a crazy performance. The best performance of his career, five total touchdowns, 305 passing yards, and a 143.3 passer rating against a Bucks defense who's been here. They're solid. They got really solid linebacker core. Um, it, 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 what it came down to was it just was not the Bucks year. Um, I, I did look at that game. I looked at the Cowboys um, on grass. I looked at like them, the, the uniforms. I mean, that's a, that's a minor thing, but um, just to throw that in there. Um, I, and I looked at Tom Brady, and I thought that the Bucks were able to pull this one out. But um, I, I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the sports books know more than we know because you look at all these things and all these things that that lean towards the Bucks winning this game. And it being at Tampa, yet the Cowboys are still favorites in this game. And they know something that we don't. They knew that the public was going to be on on Brady in this situation, and and it showed. Uh, Next weekend, I think that it sets up a potential game of the year. I mean, it's going to be a great game. Um, Cowboys, just the way that we saw them play, they've got a ton of momentum. And it's both teams who pretty much dominated meeting in the NFC Championship it's going to be a great game. Two of the top defenses, arguably the top two defenses in the NFL squaring off against the two offenses who we saw pretty much the most out of. I think it's going to be, be a great game. That is the uh, the game that I think will be the most exciting. But um, I think we're definitely in for a great weekend next week. Just a quick uh, TBT on Charlie's point. Um, throwback, the – this is unfortunate because my Packers were the number one seed in the playoffs last year for the past two years in a row and couldn't get it done. But San Fran went down to Dallas last year and beat the Cowboys on that 
crazy last play that was debated to have a second left on the clock, but not have a second left on the clock and tie game there. Could it have been a tie game if they kicked the field goal? We'll never know, but it is a rematch of last year's divisional. So I got to say that was a, that was a heck of a game. And um, they're now the Niners roll into green Bay beat green Bay and then lost to LA. But I think I just, I don't know what it is, but, San Fran like always finds themselves with one of those hardest games, like where they're looking up. And I feel like while they may be the higher seed, as Charlie was talking about, the way Dallas played last week, I, I mean, I don't know how you don't think that Dallas is the favorite in this game. And I I agree with Charlie. I think it's gonna be a low scoring, deep defensive battle with those way those two defenses play and Fred Warner on the San Fran side and Micah Parsons probably the two best linebackers in the league going at it. And I think it's going to be a heck of a game. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be an absolute joy to watch. There's a lot of games going on this weekend. And I, I think we'll close out the section. Uh, you guys have talked about that game a lot. Um, but I, I want to get just everybody's quickly most exciting game of the weekend, game that you're looking forward to the most, can't miss. Um, I'll, I'll kick it off. For me, it's got to be Bengals-Bills. I, I think there's just too much quarterback firepower in that game. Um, and even if, you know, the, the Vegas line isn't saying so, I think that's got to be the game for me. Um, what do you have, Noah? Who do you have? I, I got to go Bengals. I got to go Bengals. The way the Bills wow. looked, um, I've I just got a lot of confidence in the Bengals. And I, I, I'm willing to let that bite me. I just, I don't know. I, I think the, oh, man, that is tough. Bengals, but I, I'm not, like, riding with the Bengals too much. I think that game, I wouldn't stake my life on it, but I, I'll go Bengals. Yeah. I'm going to go um, game of the week for me. It's actually going to be in Arrowhead. I'm really curious to see. I think the Jaguars are the hottest team in the league right now. They're riding high. They just, I think Charlie said it earlier, third largest comeback in NFL history. Um, Doug Peterson, gutsy <laughs> call right now. I feel like he's like the second, he's the playoff Dan Campbell. Like the way Dan Campbell called that game in Green Bay. Um, I think it's like he's running the same stuff. And I'm I'm really, really excited to see it. Um Jaguars Chiefs, and I'm going to stamp it right now. It's my upset pick of the week, upset pick of the year, probably. But I think the Jacksonville Jaguars go into Arrowhead, did not even phased by that, by that, uh, by that crowd noise. And I think Trevor Lawrence gets it done. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to the AFC Championship against Buffalo, 31-28. Stamp it. That's a, that's a good prediction, Charlie. What what is your can't miss game of the week? Most exciting game of the week is going to be the Cowboys and the Niners. I mean, it, it's going to be the most exciting game of the week. These two teams, they're the two hottest teams that we're seeing right now. But the Niners were are arguably the hottest team right now in all of the NFL. I mean, they, they've won, what, 11 straight games, I think it is. Something crazy. I mean, it just – and for the two offenses that look the way that they've been playing, two – Go up against two defenses, two of the best defenses. I think that that's just like a match made in heaven. Um, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game, but I'm not going to take away from the Bengals and the Bills because this game being at a neutral site, um, which I believe is in Atlanta, correct me if I'm wrong, yep. That's a, I think that's going to be a Super Bowl-type atmosphere. I, I mean – like the Bills not playing at home is killer for them not to be playing outdoors is killer, even though it is extremely cold in Cincinnati at this time of the year. 
Um, but if if the Bills win this game, and if they hypothetically speaking play the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, we're we're gonna see the Stefan Diggs picture on Instagram of him looking at the Chiefs celebrating from a couple of years ago. We're gonna see it, and if they're able to win that game, like like it, it could be storybook for the Bills. And I'm not going to say it's going to be because no, they have not looked um, anywhere near the strongest team in the playoffs right now. But it it could be storybook. Um, I, I I personally would love to see it happen. Um, and, and then upset pick. I I, I do want to say the Cowboys if if that's considered one. I mean, I think that game it it wouldn't be an upset either way, but. Dude, the Giants, man. I, I like I, I could see it. I, I could I could really see it. Um and, and just everyone in New York is so amped. I'm a Long Island guy, I'm from New York. All of my friends are just super amped. Like I, I think that the Giants I, I'm not gonna say like make the Super Bowl because that's that's very far that's far down the line. But if they beat the Eagles in the divisional round, like it it would be a huge win for this team. Um, I think that our city just, might erupt, but it, it, it yeah, I, I mean, here it's going to be bad. Um, because I do know a lot of Eagles fans around here and, and just being from New York, I, I have been, uh, chirping them a little bit, but, uh, just telling them to watch out. But, um, I, I think it's going to be a great game and I like that it's a trilogy and I like that the Eagles won the first two games because in, in the end, it, this is what matters. Those first two games did not matter. Um, I, I can't wait for that game. Honestly, all four of these games are just – I can't wait. Yeah, for sure. Should be, should be super entertaining, and, and I, I can't watch to watch, can't wait to watch all of those games. Uh, and, that yeah, that Giants-Eagles game has some extra intrigue being in Philly. We'll, we'll have to see what the city's like. Um, I, I love an upset. I, I like to fade Philly fans, um, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to close the episode quickly. I'm a big tennis guy uh, and one of the four major events – has just started the past couple of days, the Australian Open. I just want to talk a little bit quickly about um, kind of the the contenders, kind of the big news going to the event and potential kind of, you know, underdogs that could kind of pop onto the radar and kind of become those big new names. Uh, so coming into this tournament, we don't have two major contenders in the event. Carlos Alcaraz, who pulls out for an injury. Uh, he's the holder of the U.S. Open, um, 19, year old, 19 years old, kind of a, a phenom of the sport, kind of, thought to be the next really big thing and is, is missing this tournament due to injury. Uh, you also have Nick Kyrgios, a really controversial Australian tennis player who always, always brings it for the Australian home crowd and, and had to pull out of this tournament with an injury, had really kind of had a return to form last year, making the Wimbledon final uh, and losing to Djokovic, but huge game. Speaking of, Novak Djokovic enters this tournament uh, for the first time in two years um, after not being allowed into the country last year due to COVID vaccination status. Uh, and he comes to, into this tournament as a heavy favorite. He hasn't lost a match in Melbourne in, you know, 35 matches or something over the course of many, many years. So he, uh, I mean, he's the kind of ruler of the Australian Open, and it, it's hard to see a scenario where he doesn't win it. Um, uh, the, the people kind of most geared to take him down, you obviously have Rafael Nadal. He has not looked great over the most recent matches. He was able to outlast Jack Draper in his first-round match, but uh, did not look great there. Uh, he's got a, a pretty easy ride um, into the um, kind of round of 16. Uh, but in that situation, if he if he faces Francis Tiafo, um, I mean, Tiafo made the semifinals of the U.S. Open, plays a really physical game. 
um, that that'll be a tough match for him. Uh, another guy that I think um, we should, I mean, Daniil Medvedev ranked seventh in the world now was in the Australian Open final last year. Um, really loves these hard court events. Um, is really geared to a game um, down in the Australian Open. Has made the final in two straight years. Um, so we'll have to see how he plays after not really having a great year last year. Uh, comes in the seventh seed a little bit lower, uh, and then. I think, you know, one one sleeper guy that I think, I don't know if he's really much a sleeper anymore, but a guy that I think is going to be coming on everybody's radar um, a lot sooner is the nine season event, Holger Runa um, with Denmark. He, you know, he had a really strong finish to last season and the kind of the last two months of the tennis season are kind of, you know, just the post-US Open kind of draw to the end of the season where there's not a lot going on, not a ton of tournaments happening. And you know, Holger Runa is able to win the last Masters event of the year, which is a, a very significant tournament because it's at the end of the year. Some kind of chalk it up to, to not a ton of players being there. Uh, but Runa strings uh, five straight top 10 victories in a row to win the tournament, including wins over Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. Um, so he is only 19 years old as well. Uh, he is, you know, won his first match in, in straight sets. So if he can make a big run in this Australian Open, I would expect to see him kind of a new headliner star of this kind of new era of tennis. Um, but I think one last thing, you know, we, we're basically through the first round, a couple matches left to be played, uh, but biggest upset from the first round, Sir Andy Murray uh, coming out beaten, beating the 11 seed Matteo Berrettini in five sets, um, really emotional match. I did not watch it. I had a friend who watched it. It was up until 3 a.m. Um, forces a fifth set tiebreaker and really wins a huge match. Uh, and if he's able to beat a guy like Berrettini on the Australian Open courts, which play a little bit to the advantage of a guy like Berrettini uh, because they are a little faster this year. I mean, you know, who knows? This is a guy who's got the pedigree, but has really struggled with injuries. But, um, you know, has had a lot of a lot of rehab over the past year and is uh, it's just a huge win. So uh, I think there's a lot going on in this tournament. Uh, I think you know, there's a lot of young Americans playing in this tournament as well for any American tennis fans as well. Uh, so I'll definitely be keeping on out on my radar. Uh, quick, quick note, Noah. Um, I have, I was big and I was a big player when I was young, but I've fallen out of the tennis wave in the past few years. Uh, but I got to say, just for my guy, Noah Visti back home, he's playing at IUPUI in Indiana. He's playing some incredible tennis in his young career uh, in college, but he's a big Medvedev guy. So shout out to him. Um, I got to say, the way... Medvedev plays. If there's a player who could come back and give Djokovic a run, I, I feel like it'd be him um, out of that field. I really, I, I'm a big, uh, a big emphasizer on Francis Tiafo. I, I think that he lost to Alcaraz, and the way he played that match in the U.S. Open was like you couldn't have played it any better. Like, I mean. I, Carlos hit some incredible shots, and I just remember watching the match. But, like, Francis Tiafo is a big body who right now could probably suit up for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, he is massive. And to see him at the net on a tennis court, you're like, where do you put the ball? I mean, if you lob him, he's probably going to get there and hit a tweener. If if you – I mean, if you try to pass him, he's putting the rack he, – he's spanning the pretty much the length of the court. He is so athletic, and I feel like that if he plays – his best game against Rafa, certainly he could he do it, but he's my he's my sleeper pick. He and Medvedev to knock off Djokovic. So I I don't know much about the tennis game right now, but I do know that those two guys have been playing some incredible tennis, and it'd be exciting to see those two uh, maybe in the semifinal or final. 
Yeah, I the Tiafo point I think is I mean he's just such a likable guy, and you know that really came out in the U.S. Open in front of that home crowd, and in in that Alcaraz match that you're talking about was just an incredibly intense match, uh, and if he can bring that game against Nadal, like I'd have him favored to win, you know, just based on current form. Uh, if Tiafo Tiafo has been played by inconsistency over the course of his career, but if he can bring you know that that same game, I you know we'll see, we will definitely see. Um, same goes for Medvedev. If he can kind of return to his hardcore form, he only dropped, I think, four games in his first match. So um, if he's back to it as well, yeah. I mean, this is – I think there's a lot going on, but ultimately Djokovic is the, the king of Australia. So uh, we will definitely have to see how this turns out. But um, with that, we will close the episode for today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, definitely a lot to talk about um, in terms of kind of NFL. A lot going on. The season's winding to an end, but it's getting really intense uh, around the sporting world. So um, we will, you know, we thank everyone for joining us today as listeners. Oh, well, yes. To our uh, to our listeners, I just want to, um, Charlie and I will be will be taking over the podcast here in a couple weeks as your primary hosts. And while Charlie and I are really excited to get going on this journey together, um, we're, we're really excited to dive into the sports world and be the new basis of the official podcast of the Sports Analytics Club I think from both Charlie and I, we want to thank Noah and Kevin and Andrew for their incredible work um, to get this thing started and get all of you listeners here. And and hopefully we can do as great a job as they've done. But um, I, I just got to give a hats off to Noah. Noah, thank you so much for um, finding me, bringing me to the podcast and finding all our listeners and Charlie as well. And it's been it's been you guys have done a heck of a job. So thank you. Yeah, one hundred percent. As you guys, as you guys close your your final week next week. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, Noah. Um, being a guy who hasn't done a podcast before definitely showed me the ropes. Um, and I personally cannot wait to uh to take over this pod with Will. Um, gonna be a great next couple of years. Um, just really hyped. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it. it Kevin, Andrew, and I will be recording a podcast next week, and then we'll be handing the reins off. Super excited to have Will and Charlie, and they've been great guests on the show so far, and we're super confident they'll be able to take this podcast along to the future and innovate. Uh, we're super happy with the consistency, and, and we're super happy to be able to keep the podcast going past our impending graduation. So um, with that, we'll close the episode today, and thanks, everyone, for joining